everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock. Along with me is Kyle Davis. We're going to get you caught up on everything involving the Toronto Rock and uh, probably a little bit more from around the league as there's been a lot of news and a lot of stuff going on. And uh, we're just going to talk a little bit, too, about how uh, maybe some of us have hit the midseason wall here in the office and uh, maybe some of us are we're on the edge. So we're going to try to figure out how to get me off the edge quite frankly here. Anyways, uh, so let's jump into uh, Saturday night's game, uh, a 15-12 loss in Buffalo by the Toronto Rock. KD, uh, this was definitely, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, Toronto's worst game uh, on Saturday night out of the bunch. But uh, your initial thoughts on the game? Yeah, I, I didn't. I have to agree with you. I didn't think they brought their their best foot forward there Saturday in Buffalo. I mean, take nothing away. It is a hostile barn down there. You know, you know, you're walking into a rowdy environment. They they do it upright down there in Buffalo good crowd i know some of the office made the trip down and and from what i hear uh you know it wasn't their best game but to take a positive wasn't the office's best game no oh, okay, I, from what i heard from the office it wasn't the rocks <laughs> best game ah, okay. all right, all right. Um, but to take a positive from it though if we're saying this is their worst game of the season and from watching at home and tracking it at home there they were in it right till the end and still had a chance to put that away and, and grab the two points on the road playing their worst game of the season as we said like so I mean, they're right there, and, and Buff, being a desperate team, you'd have to think was giving it everything they had. So if that's everything Buffalo had plus Toronto's worst game and, and to still have a chance late, I mean, I think it still says something about the Toronto Rock. Yeah, in that fourth quarter, I mean, Brody Merrill scores a big goal that you think maybe the team jumps on the back of that goal, and uh, at that point, 12-12, late in the game, Buffalo ends up scoring the two goals to uh, win the game and then an empty netter with just a couple of seconds left on the clock. But, um, you know, I thought that was a key point where Toronto maybe could have uh, turned the table or, you know, grabbed the game by the horns so to speak and uh and take it and also nick rose made a big save in the fourth quarter we gotta say we gotta we have to remind everybody sometimes if it sounds like we're slightly distracted while things are going on we are recording in the boardroom at the toronto rock athletic center in our offices and sometimes there's people just going by and stuff going on and colin doyle is actually just uh he's gone by a couple of times here while we've started the broadcast and said hello in his unique way and we should mention i think colin's going to be a guest on this very podcast next week but back to buffalo toronto there were many opportunities for the rock to take control of this game they held a few leads they had a few three goal leads that uh, or sorry three goal runs that uh you know gave them an advantage in the game at different times and it just was one of those ones that i think after the fact a lot of the guys will realize that they definitely left this one on the table and like Matt Sawyer said after the game, you know you don't you don't get a second chance at those ones. So kind of let's not ha- let's not let that happen again. So uh, hopefully this will be something to learn from with this young group and something that they'll be able to take forward the rest of the season. And I think that's also something that is very exciting about this group is to watch those small fails, so to speak, as this young team grows. And I think it's going to be even more rewarding when you see them struggle and then see them succeed later on and watch these guys grow and really see them develop as as professional lacrosse players and stars in this league. So um, while it was a, a slight step backwards on Saturday, I think it's one of those things where we might be seeing this team take one step back as a result of that uh, score and that decision on Saturday night, but then have the ability to now take two steps forward potentially this week against New England. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean... Uh 
it, like we said, it was a tough loss, but uh, there's still like we, a young team, a lot of new guys, rookies, even guys that you know we're considering older on the team, like a Littner, for for instance. He's still in his second year in the league. Um, things are coming at him for the for the first time as a professional cosplayer, still to this date, and. Uh, to learn from that early, by no means did, did we think the Toronto Rock were going to come in here as much as we predict it and run the table, <laughs> right? So, like there True. was good, there was going to be ups and downs and and learning curves and in the bigger picture, you know, losing a heartbreaker like this can bring some positives for sure. And I mean, ideally, you want to go down there and, and you know go up two nothing on Buffalo in the season series and you set yourself up great obviously you get the two points that's the main goal of every week here but uh that didn't happen and I'm sure they're gonna you know tweak a couple things look over some tape and uh kind of see what went wrong where they can improve and be ready to go for for New England and I I suspect them to be coming out flying back at home and and eager to to rebound and pick up two points yeah and like we've mentioned on this show before too this year is you know Coming through the first seven games, you know, going into this weekend, this team very well could have been 7-0. and Given a shot, you know, a shot here, a save there. There's two one-goal losses at home. One of them's in overtime, and one the overtime game, it's only getting tied up with just seconds to go. That was uh, very close to the team's third win at home. But um, this team is 3-1 and on the road, which I think bodes well, you know, for down the stretch here, showing that this young team can play on the road. They have had success away from home already, and now it's about starting to take care of business at home. And not to say that you could lose out on the road and still have success this year, but um, if this team were to go 500 the west, rest of the way on the road and you know maybe only lose one or two more at home, that's going to put them in very good shape and probably right near the top of the league, which is where they're still trending to be, I think, despite this past weekend's loss. But another thing I wanted to talk about was Anthony Cosmo. He was very good, probably played his best game of the year, I think without a doubt, uh, on Saturday night. Faced 60 shots, uh, made 48 saves by the math in my head real quick. So um, slightly unexpected, I think. You know, given how he had played so far this year, Toronto chased him in the first game in Toronto against the Bandits uh, earlier this season. So, um, you know, not that anyone didn't think he still had that in him perhaps, but still I think a little bit of a surprise given how his how his season had gone so far this year yeah and uh, I mean on this show we've kind of been questioning Buffalo's goaltending situation early they you know a couple games where they gave up a lot of goals and I know that's not all on the, the goaltending there's defense playing in front of them but uh we didn't. I didn't expect that one to be honest. Uh, he came in and like, he's a veteran guy in the league, and you know he he senses that it was a desperate time and game for his team as well. And I'm sure he knew that and knew that he really had to put in a good performance and 60 shots on net and you know to make 48 saves. That's a that's a great night. And he you could say arguably keeps Buffalo you know alive here in the thick of things in the East moving forward. Now speaking of the East, some interesting things happening over the last uh, week or so. We'll say. Uh, in terms of the Buffalo Bandits, the New England Black Wolves, uh, the Rochester Nighthawks, all making moves and some serious tweaks to their roster. The first one we'll quickly chat about because uh, I think it really, in the big picture, probably has less of an impact overall is the Stephen Keogh trade to Colorado. I know we didn't uh, touch on this at all previously, but, um, you know, a first and a second First off, I want to say I th- I think Stephen Keogh is worth a first and a second. I don't have a problem with what Colorado gave up. Situationally, 
since Stephen Keel was kind of in and out of the Rochester lineup, um, for whatever reason, kind of was unable to find a regular spot there after being a big part of three championships. In that regard, I think maybe... I don't want to say Colorado overpaid because I'm still not sure because Colorado has some injury problems. They had to do something to address it. However, with Rochester not playing Keo a lot, there is the other side of it as maybe he is somebody that would have demanded a little bit less in a trade. So I still think this is one of those things where we're going to have to wait to see how good Keo is the rest of the year for Colorado being in a primetime role to see just what that trade value really ended up being and whether or not that was fair value for Keo because definitely the Stephen Keo that we know when he's at the top of his game, I don't see any problem with this. I think a first and a second isn't really a bad deal at all. I think it's a great trade, and especially given Colorado's situation. So I know I'm talking all the way around this issue, but um, I don't think it really impacted Rochester too much by moving him out, and I think uh, he's going to do big things in Colorado, mostly because Stephen Keogh is the type of guy that I feel like you could almost slide him into any team and he could find a role. And I think that's maybe the biggest value of a guy like Keo. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, you know, he watching him play over the years, playing against him, he's he can do it all. Like if you want, if he wants to go off for a big night, points wise, he can do that. He can get gritty in the middle and set some picks and open up some space for some guys. He can. I've seen him drop some guys in some pretty good fights as well, right? Yeah. Like he he uh, he does it all. He has all the tools in his shed there, but. Uh, yeah, like you said, I don't, I don't really know what was going on in Rochester personally. Like yourself, I think I, I like him as a player out there, and he, for some reason, whatever it was, he couldn't find a role. Um, even you know that game in Toronto when he was a healthy scratch, and typically over the past couple of years or since I've been around watching, he, he likes coming home and usually puts up a big night. So that, to me, that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, but I, I agree. I think he will go on to Colorado and, and do some good things. And from from my recollection, he was a top two or top three draft pick in his draft year um so to give up you know a first and a second if he's going to play like he has over the three years or the three championship years and and others with rochester i think it's a good pickup for colorado so shifting uh, to the focus on some trades that i think maybe impact the east a little bit more in terms of guys that uh we're, we're in lineups and playing regularly. One is uh, Buffalo's Mitch Wild, who goes to Calgary for a pair of second-round picks. And at the time, perhaps, it looked a little bit odd because Buffalo had also released Daryl Veltman previously, so they were minus two bodies that were pretty well in their lineup and at the time didn't have anything to show for it. And Daryl Veltman last week turned up in New England, signing as a free agent with the New England Black Wolves, and then you spin that into the news of, uh, as we're recording here, the last 24 hours. And Pat Saunders, who was a scratch for the New England Black Wolves on Sunday, um, he ends up being dealt to the Buffalo Bandits for a second-round pick. And, you know, we're getting close to NHL trade deadline time, and you, you sit there and you see, oh, this guy's moved for a second-round pick, or this guy's moved for a first and a second, and you think that sets the bar perhaps for a guy's value. But... What does it say here when you have a guy like Pat Saunders who scored 38 and 44 goals in his last two years, 44 being just last season, and he goes for a second-round pick? I mean, kind of surprising. I'm not sure, but then you break this deal out, and it's almost as though it's Daryl Veltman who signs as a free agent with New England, 
well, then they got to give up something, or Buffalo has to give up something to get Saunders. They get a second-round pick, but it's almost like these two teams have, have swapped lefties essentially in a little bit of a, a strange fashion, so to speak, in terms of how these guys actually ended up there. But um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we both know Pat Saunders very, very well um, as a player, and, and Kyle, you got to play with him for, I guess, your first three years of your junior career with uh, Halton Hills Junior B. So, um I just don't know what to make of it. There's a 44 goal scorer that gets shipped out for a second round pick. It's uh, it's just a bit odd. Yeah, when you, I was stunned to be honest when it came through, and you know, seeing in the office here, it, it was a second, and I, I was almost found myself waiting for and like what else was yeah. was involved in that trade because you mentioned uh, uh, last two years, 38 and 44 or whatever you said there, like those those are some pretty big numbers, like top of the league uh, goal scoring production there and. For, for a second, I feel like a lot of teams maybe, I mean, I don't know who was involved in the trade talks or whatnot, but would be looking back and saying only, like, I could have kicked tires on that and maybe, you know, thrown my hat in the ring for, for Pat yeah. Saunders as well, if it was, if that's all it took, essentially. Um, you know, obviously, he did, he fell kind of like Keel. I don't know why, but was in another lineup in, in New England. Who knows what was going on there? But, uh, I mean, a fresh start for Pat in Buffalo, unfortunately, like, I mean, fortunately for us, it's not. He's not in the lineup this weekend versus New England, but uh, you, go, you know, he goes to a division rival in Buffalo that we see a couple more times as well. And and I think it's interesting when you talk about a second round pick, the chances of drafting a forty four goal scorer in the second round in the NLL draft is the chances are very low, very low that you're going to end up grabbing a guy that's going to turn into that. However. Pat Saunders himself was actually the very last pick by the Chicago Shamrocks in the 2008 draft and almost made that team. And that's straight out of Junior B as a 19-year-old, almost made that team. And then Chicago ended up folding before the season started. He ended up in Rochester, did get into a game that year, still played another year at Junior B before he finished his uh, junior career with Orangeville uh, in the Junior A loop. But um, Pat Saunders, is he's just a really, to me, interesting story. And... A lot of people probably uh, won't know the full history of it, but I'll kind of give the Coles notes of it a little bit, but I'll trace this all the way back to his junior days. And his first year being an Arthur native, played Junior B in Alora in 2006. And then uh, those Halton Hills Junior B Bulldogs, who tend to come up once in a while on this podcast, were looking for a lefty in 2007. And Pat was actually drafted by Brampton Junior A, and he was in Brampton Junior A's training camp in 2007, and a young Nick Grasby, who was also in Brampton Junior A's camp, and that name may not ring a lot of bells with a lot of people, but he's uh, a bit of a Sealax legend, we'll say Nick Grasby, and uh, of course a Junior B legend, but um, he actually uh, put a little bug in the ear of myself uh, as the general manager of the Halton Hills Junior B team that this guy was pretty good and he was looking for a spot and didn't think he was going to land in Junior A. So he ended up coming to play um, with Halton Hills in 2007 and his other option was to go back and play intermediate in Arthur. So that's kind of the odd trajectory of his career where it started there where it was, you know, he was almost going to be an intermediate lacrosse player perhaps for the rest of his junior aged career who knows if he would have ever come out of that anyway so he ends up having a decent year in 07 in Halton Hills a little injury plagued I can remember him coming to training camp in 08 and saying this guy just might lead the league in scoring he looks so good and then 
turned out he basically did. Had a massive season in 08, uh, won the MVP in the Junior B League, and then uh, 09 had a pretty darn good season too. Went on to play for Brampton in the Minto Cup at the end of the year. 2010, he goes to Orangeville. Uh, Junior A and ends up scoring 50 goals there in his last year and then struggled a little bit trying to get a break in the NLL. And it really didn't come until 2014 with Philadelphia. The year before, I think he got into one game uh, for the Wings when they were in Toronto, scored a goal, but uh, didn't end up sticking around. And then put up seasons of, I think, 25, 38, and 44 goals uh, in 14, 15, and 16. So a little bit of a late bloomer, we'll say, even in his junior career, and then again in pro. But this guy has a track record, and I know we've gone on at great length about Pat Saunders here on the uh, podcast, but he's a guy now to keep your eye on because, uh, you know, he's going to a division rival here in Buffalo from a division rival to another division rival. He's staying in the division, and, uh, you know, the Rock are going to get a chance to see him. Uh, a couple more times and he does have rock ties as well as he was on the practice roster for the rock for some time so um just a an interesting week of trades there and uh you know i don't know if you want to chime in anymore on that well, trade I as well just had uh just one thought and you know you mentioned pat's a bit of a late bloomer there and i just wonder if this is something new england will be looking back on and uh, you know if he can catch fire in buffalo and he's like i said he's proven he can score goals if they look back and say like we're not even halfway into the season or we're just coming up to the halfway point. Did we maybe jump the gun a little early on Pat Saunders here? He scored a lot of big goals for us and, you know, it's been maybe a tough seven, eight games by their standards or his standards. But, uh, I mean, f- the future will tell, but I think it might be one you look, you could look back on and say, you know, we could, we could have used a couple more goals and he would be a guy that would maybe be able to provide that. All right. Okay, well, we are, uh, we're going to take a short pause here and uh, set things up. We've got the uh, first guest of the show is actually uh, waiting outside the doors right now of the boardroom here at the Toronto Rock Athletic Centre. It is Toronto Rock goaltender Nick Rose. We'll also be joined a little bit later on on the program by Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. He'll stop by and then we'll wrap things up, do a little short-term, long-term trade, preview the Rock against the New England Blackwells, which is coming up on Friday night as well. So lots to come here on Toronto Rock Total Access. A short break and then we'll have Rosie in studio. Check it out tonight. We're going to flip and trip and let it all hang out tonight. We're going to say what we like. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock here with Kyle Davis, and we're now joined in studio by our first guest on the program, Toronto Rock goaltender Nick Rose. How are you doing, Rosie? I'm not too bad today. Thanks. Well, Rosie, uh, a tough one, obviously, on Saturday night in Buffalo. Tough building to play in, but the team was in it, uh, obviously, right to the very end, a 12-12 score in the fourth quarter. The team uh, just unable to pull it out. What were your thoughts on uh, Saturday night's game overall? Yeah, I mean, um, I guess to take a couple positives, uh, to have a chance to kind of win the game in the last few minutes was a good sign. But for myself, I know I wasn't at my best uh, defensively. I think we kind of had one of our worst games of the season. So we, uh, especially going into a building like that with loud fans, um, you have to be ready to play, and we just weren't. Now, as a goaltender going into that building, just even as a player, do you ever go into a game and think, oh, maybe this isn't going to be my night? Was there any inkling, I guess, what I'm trying to ask, that uh, maybe you thought that that night wasn't going to be your best? No, I think we felt pretty good. I mean, um, going to Banditland, you know they're going to be uh, kind of breathing down your neck, uh, the fans, I guess. But um, 
yeah, we we thought we had uh, good warm up. Thought we were prepared from film during the week, and we just didn't really kind of start the game how we wanted to. And if you're if you kind of get behind there, it's uh, tough to kind of climb out of. And we were able to stay in the game, and thanks to kind of our offense and power plays, but uh, we just didn't make enough plays to win the game. Now, outside of Anthony Cosmo, uh, I think playing much better, obviously, than the first time the two teams met. Was there anything in particular that you noticed that they adjusted uh, from meeting number one to meeting number two? Um, no, not too much. I mean, they they really did feed off that crowd, there's no doubt. Um, they had a couple different guys up on offense that we hadn't really seen uh, yet this year or, or even in past years with the uh, self playing offense uh, that plays he's got some quick hands so I just don't think we were uh, very ready for uh, for what they threw at us and we uh, we adjusted and uh, kind of made some plays as the game went on but uh, just not enough now Rosie you mentioned the uh, you know the hostile environment down in bandit land and how they're breathing on your neck um, as a goalie now like as you've had a longer tenure in in the league does it does it get easier over time to go into Buffalo at all for you personally or is it still you know you're looking at the schedule and you're saying Buffalo this is going to be you know a, a tough one yeah no I don't I don't know if it ever gets easier I think you kind of get used to it a little bit and sometimes it's uh, you enjoy going to places like that I know Colorado has always been one of those places as well and you kind of get in a loud building and try and feed off the fans yourself even though they're kind of cheering against you 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 love playing in front of a full crowd so um you have to find your own motivation but uh yeah i mean yeah i i don't think uh i don't think it ever gets easier but you do uh kind of know what to expect i guess for sure and you uh you also mentioned there you know from your own perspective there you maybe weren't seeing the ball as well as you would like to or have been early on in the year how will uh how, how do you how's important how important is it sorry for you to uh you know, just forget that and uh, and and move on. You know, quick memory there, but also that you have to wait a week until you can actually get back on the floor. You know, Friday versus New England. Like, how how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess that's a little tough to kind of let it stew all week. But um, like last weekend, we obviously lost to Georgia, a tough one on the Friday, and we're able to bounce back pretty good against Rochester. So um, the the extra few days to think about it uh, definitely kind of stings a bit more, but. We know uh, we know what we're in store for on Friday night—a huge division matchup where um, they're kind of down in the standings. Where uh, we have to find a way to bounce back and have a one of our best efforts of the year against a good team. So um, we have to put uh, the Buffalo game behind us, and that starts our practice tonight. Now, I did want to ask you about uh, everybody's favorite topic, the uh, dunk goals from behind the net. And it's very weird because it's obviously a legal play. Um, Some people like it, some people don't. But it seemed like once a goalie gets scored on with a dunk goal, there's this rash of attempts the next few games. And coming into a game against New England, I think Kyle Buchanan scored a goal from behind the net uh, this past weekend. So it... Is that something that now you're like, oh boy, here it comes. Every, every week now, somebody's going to be setting up shop, trying to dunk one from behind. Um, does that ever play into your head at all in terms of your preparation, especially once one guy has success? Um, just something I've personally noticed, it seems like then suddenly it's like, okay, here we go. 
somebody did it once, so we're going to see it for the next four weeks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's a bit of that if uh, if teams kind of see something on video or whatever, but I think the dunk goal is going to happen with uh, with how the plays develop. If uh, Like that one on, in Buffalo, I was kind of looking to the left side, and ball goes to Mitch Jones behind the net, and uh, the easiest thing I can do is to get back to the short post uh, on my left, and he obviously dunked around the other side, so we have to adjust as a defense, and I'm sure we uh, will go over that a little bit at practice tonight, but we definitely don't want to get away from our game plan just to stop dunks, but uh, we do need to know uh, what we're doing when the ball does go back there. So I'm sure we'll see some more dunks this year, but uh, hopefully we can uh, find a way to keep them out. Is it a play that you think should be a part of the game? Um, should you be able to score behind the goal line? It's tough to say. I mean, obviously some some of them are incredible plays and very athletic plays, but uh, I think in when you look at kind of other sports leagues, pro sports leagues, I don't know if many plays kind of compare to where one positional, like as being a goalie, like we're at such a disadvantage on those plays because mm-hmm. we're facing the other way and we really just have to almost take a guess to try and make a save. So there's not too many kind of situations in other pro sports where someone's at such a disadvantage. So it definitely makes it tough on our on on all the goalies in the league. But we, uh, for myself, I've been in the league long enough to expect those sometimes where you kind of just have to get past that. But yeah, they're they're tough plays. But uh, as long as they're legal, we have to be ready for them. So here's the next thing I'll throw at you in terms of this crease and jump from behind the net, whatever. Um, something that maybe I've thrown this at you before even, uh, but not uh, on the record, so to speak. But Garrett Billings always had this idea while he was in Toronto, and we used to uh, chat quite a bit. But he always had the idea of moving the, the whole crease, everything out maybe three or four feet further and making the actual crease a full circle and not cut off at the back and that would essentially eliminate those type of plays um is that something i mean i've often thought it was when it was originally suggested to me i thought no way but the more you think about it it wouldn't necessarily affect any of the play in front of the net everybody would just be you know a few feet further towards center which doesn't really affect anything and it would kind of eliminate uh you know, maybe not totally eliminate because you still see maybe the the air gate, so to speak, where somebody would still jump. But maybe it would eliminate it a little bit if it needs to be eliminated. Yeah, I mean, obviously, being a goalie, I, any <laughs> anything that can kind of help to uh, limit uh, those opportunities would be great. Um, and I definitely think a circle crease, if that would help, uh, kind of limit those goals, would be good for us. But um, I don't know. For me, it's more. Uh, the kind of the, the thing with those plays that I take a bit more issue with is if, say, a goalie kind of gets to that post and sorry gets to that post and the player stick kind of hits off the goalie and then that kind of causes the ball to go straight down into the net, like wrapping it around the post. If if it was a true shot where they kind of just got their stick out in front and flipped it in the net and didn't really hit anything then I wouldn't really have as much of an issue with those plays but it's tough uh tough to kind of justify when if you do get get to where the shot's coming from and 
a stick hits here or whatever and it still goes in the net and counts it's kind of tough to deal with but I mean I guess that just is what it is looking ahead to uh, New England this weekend Rosie uh, just want to get your thoughts on, on them as a team obviously it's another big divisional game um, I don't want to say it's it's less important but it just it doesn't have the same kind of feel as a, as a Buffalo or a Rochester if that makes sense from a from a rivalry perspective but uh, what are you expecting out of New England and like you mentioned they're down in the standings chasing you so you know they're gonna be desperate bringing their all yeah no doubt I mean I think that uh, that might have been the difference against Buffalo last weekend was a desperation I think we kind of played like a five and two team and they played like a two and five team or whatever and I kind of came back to bite us a bit but um new New england's got a pretty balanced offense so defensively we have to be aware of of everybody that's out on the floor um um they obviously just traded saunders so they're liking what they uh see out of the, the rest of their guys so um yeah i mean it's definitely a it's definitely a huge matchup for us and uh we we've been besides a Besides against Georgia, we've been able to win the first game against the rest of the Eastern teams for our season series, and those are so huge uh, when it comes to deciding playoff spots. So if uh, if we kind of want to get to where we want to go, we have to clean up uh, some season series against these teams. So uh, with a win Friday night, that would go a long way. Okay, Rosie. Well, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us. Uh, I'm sure we'll do this again soon. Thanks a lot. All right, that was Nick Rose, Toronto Rock goaltender. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with the head coach of the Toronto Rock, Matt Sawyer. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, segment number three on the show, and we're now joined by Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. Matt, uh, first three-time guest on the show in only six episodes, that means you've been on 50% of the programs. How does that feel? Oh, it definitely makes you feel special, <laughs> especially here with KD. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right, so uh, right down to business then. So Saturday night, uh, 15-12 loss to the Buffalo Bandits in Buffalo, uh, a game in which uh, I think there were several points where the team probably could have taken control of things. Just were unable to do it, and then uh, obviously late 12-12, uh, another chance to uh, to possibly win the game, but it goes the other way. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Saturday's game and just the way everything played out? Yeah, uh, you're you're right. We um, you know we certainly had our, our chances to take control of that game. It uh, you know it was a it was a hard fat, uh, fought game, and uh, uh, we definitely competed in there. Um, you know we uh, we were a little uh, uncharacteristic in a, in a few areas and. Uh, uh, while we competed and, and uh, worked hard, I don't uh, don't think we um, you know we were thinking too much and and uh, again we made some uncharacteristic mistakes and it came back to uh, came back to bite us. But um, you know that game needs to be in the rearview mirror and and um, you know a little different environment for some of our new guys, something that they need to to get used to uh, playing on the road against a desperate team and a, and a little bit of a hostile environment. But um, you know it was a good game, but uh, not good enough with us coming up short. Now, can you break it down to anything specific, execution, work ethic, just not your night, bad bounces? Was there anything specific that you could point your finger at, especially when, you know, a few weeks earlier you beat this team 18-10? to 10? Yeah, well, we definitely faced a, a different Buffalo team, and, and we were, uh, you know, we were playing in the, their arena, which uh, presents a, a new challenge for sure. 
uh, we thought we competed. Like you can't, uh, you know, the, the compete level and work ethic was certainly there. Um, you know, we weren't mentally sharp, and and that's something we pride ourselves in. And and um, you know, maybe Buffalo uh, had a hand in that, and um, you know, they played a good game. But uh, we need to be better in those areas. Areas and. A um, few too many mistakes, uh, again, like I said, uncharacteristic ones that kind of popped up, some mental lapses, and, uh, and we paid for it. <clears throat> it's something that, uh, you know, and every coach will say it, you, need to, you can't dwell on it, uh, you know, we'll talk about it, we'll address the issues here tonight, and, and you need to move on, but you've got to try to, uh, to learn from it. Having said that, we told the boys after, we've, uh, you know, we've had a couple of those uh, this year, and you don't get those opportunities back, so, um, you know, we need to, uh, to be better moving forward. Yeah, so um, speaking of moving forward there, you uh, you got another right back at it, big division game versus uh, New England at home. Uh, you you know, I'm not calling it a slump by any means, but we've lost two of the last three here in, in Toronto. And how important is it to, to kind of rewrite the script there from, from the following past weekend in Buffalo and come back with a big, big win at home? Well, uh, you know, real important um, at home or on the road. Obviously, uh, when you're playing at home, you want to uh, – uh, use that to your advantage and, and make it a tough place for uh, other teams to come in and, and get a uh, get a win against you. So um, you want to be careful that uh, you don't let things snowball and, and um, you know, much like in a game, you want to um, get momentum and, and, and keep momentum and, and um, uh, when it's not going your way, you want to uh, halt the, the other team's momentum. So uh, we got a, um, you know, we had a loss here last Friday night and it's not something that we want to uh, see a few of them stack up another big game for us uh you know they all are uh, each and every week but again you're playing a divisional opponent and uh, uh our first time seeing new england and and uh, we want to make sure that we come out on the right side of things for sure and uh one thing i wanted to ask you about was uh was the special teams there uh hammer and i have been talking in the losses that have happened so far it's been you know you've been in every game you think of the overtime loss uh, this past week in Buffalo, it's right there for the taking late. Uh, I was just looking at the uh, you know the power play stats and the and the penalty kill stats this year, and I think it's fair to say that they may be not necessarily where you would like them to be, kind of more so in the bottom half of the league uh, in terms of that. How important is it to turn that around uh, a bit in the second half of the season here, where you know these losses are just only by a goal or two, and and, and the special teams can really change that. No, you're 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 bang on. Uh, you know, we've had three losses. There's one empty netter in there in, in Buffalo, but three losses in uh, by a combined four goals. So, uh, um, you know, every game is close, and they say it's a one uh, a one goal league. And uh, um, you know, your special teams can often uh, be the uh, be the difference in those situations. It's something that uh, you know it's not uh, it's something that we've addressed, and and we realize our shortcomings in that area. Um, you know, on the positive, our power play was real good uh, against Buffalo. Um, it has been both times we played them. So, um, you know, it's something that uh, that is a focus of ours, and, and we need to get better. Uh, there's lots of areas where you can improve, and, and that's one of them. Now, also, just talking about some of the guys who have stepped in recently, uh, Phil Caputo is a guy that uh, I think a lot of people are starting to notice a little bit more. He was a guy that uh, spent the bulk of last season <clears throat> on the practice roster for the team that the Rock will be playing this uh, Friday night, the New England Black Wolves, but maybe chat a little bit about uh, how he's come along here and, and definitely made the most of his opportunities when he's been in the lineup. Yeah, Phil's, um, you're right. He's uh, he's made the most of his opportunities. Um, you know, he's somebody that we've liked uh, for a while now. Um, I remember if, um, if you re rewind back to uh, the year before in, in the draft, uh, um, you know, he was someone that we were hoping to uh, – 
uh, to have a crack at, and uh, it just happened that he went uh, went right before we were going to select him to uh, to New England. So, um, you know, we're familiar with him, and uh, what he brings is, uh, you know, it's a little different element up front. Uh, plays a little bit more of an inside game. He plays like a man while well, he's uh, still uh, just a kid, but uh, you know, he's somebody that uh, isn't afraid to set picks and and try to create opportunities for his teammates and and make them better. And um, you know, just a little different element than we've had up there to this point. And um, you know that's the the key with an offense. It's not just uh, trotting out uh, seven skilled players or the seven best players. It's all about the mix. And um, you know, uh, for uh, the three games that Phil's played, it's been good. And and we hope that that uh, that continues. Now, speaking of that mix, uh, you know, Casey Beerns may be uh, ready to come back either this week or next. Um, coming off the IR potentially. Um, you know, Reed Reinholdt uh, played very well in his uh, opportunity to get back in the lineup against Rochester, but was scratched last game against Buffalo. Uh, will we see more roster slash lineup juggling here coming into this weekend, or have you kind of find, found a group now that you're happy with? You know, we're happy with all our guys, and, uh, you know, as you've seen over our uh, first eight games that uh, – we're not afraid to uh, plug guys in, and, and a lot of time it's um, you know it's a call depending on uh, our opposition or if we want to go with uh, you know a strong right or strong left side, and um, you know so we're comfortable with all of them. We feel we have good depth. Um, the other thing that Reed and Phil bring is just a, a little bit of versatility. Um, you know, for, for the coaching staff, uh, we're comfortable with them both coming out the front or back door, so uh, that adds an element. But uh, you have an 18-man active roster, and you play 17 of them each week. So you're, the guys that are on your practice roster, well, I'm sure they're not uh, um, happy about it, but, uh, you know, we rely on them. And, and um, you know, there's, there's a segment of our lineup that's uh, very fluid, and, and uh, I don't see that changing throughout the season. Now, Tom Schreiber, his, uh, you know, development, it seemed like every week uh, learning the indoor game was um, he was getting better and better and better and better. And I just kind of like to get your opinion. You know, the production wasn't necessarily there in Buffalo. Did I don't want to say did he take a step back necessarily in his development, but did it uh, did things stall a little bit for him last week? Were there some new challenges that uh, that he was kind of faced with that maybe he didn't quite uh, have the have the tools or the skill set quite yet to overcome that or how did things go down in your mind with Schreiber's game specifically on the weekend well you know I don't think it's anything to do with the uh, um, tools or a skill set that um, you know a couple of things that's uh, the next challenge for Tom um, you know at the start of the year he was a, a newcomer to the league and um, you know he's uh, he's not fooling anybody anymore um, so any game that we go into you know that the opposition is game planning specifically to uh, to try to stop him because of uh, how big he is to our our offense so um, you know it's one thing to find success uh, the next uh, uh, the next step is to, to enable is uh, to be able to be successful and, and productive when the focus is on you and um, you know that's just something that Tom will have to figure out and um, it's not uh, something that we're worried about as a as a coaching staff, and and then uh, second is, is consistency, and not just with Tom, um, with everybody. Uh, that's the the next step of being a good solid pro is. Uh, being consistent in your uh, in your game, uh, game in and game out, so uh, you know your teammates, coaching staff, organization can rely on you, and you know what kind of game you're getting from everyone. So, it's uh, it's definitely a learning process, and there's bound to be some bumps in the road. But um, you know, Tom Schreiber's a, um, a real good player, and he'll figure it out. Now we had uh, Nick Rose with us in studio uh, earlier on the program, just before you. Um, you know, he mentioned himself; he didn't think it was his best game of the season. Um, 
is uh, Brandon Miller being healthy uh, and now an option in the next couple of weeks to go him as a potential starter? Or um, I guess this is my roundabout way as to say, are we going to see Brandon Miller in the net in the next couple of weeks, or is that something still to be uh, to be evaluated here? Uh, you know, we, it's something that we look at and we kind of uh, look at our schedule and, and we feel everybody who's, uh, who's healthy and, and on our roster is an option. Having said that, uh, Nick's been uh, been great for us this year, and and I'm sure he'd like to have uh, a couple more stops there in Buffalo. But um, you know, sometimes stats can be misleading. I think we uh, outshot them by 20. But uh, if you uh, look at the quality uh, scoring chances, Buffalo uh, definitely had more than us. We didn't give Nick much help. Uh, a lot of times, uh, you know, players are, were alone on top of the net, and we've done a real good job up to that point limiting the shots and kind of directing where they came from. So. Um, you know, it's good that he's not happy with his performance, but he was the least of our problems there. Now, after uh, after that Georgia loss, there a quick turnaround right into Rochester. You could uh, almost you know move on and forget about the Georgia loss there. This week, different. You got the week to you know, I guess not not stew on it, but uh, until you're back on the floor next. Uh, from a coaching side of things, do you prefer the quick turnaround or do you like to take the week here? You can look back at some film, you know, get a good practice in tonight and kind of move on that way. Well, I think anybody will tell you, as you, you know from uh, playing yourself, anytime you have a game where you're not successful, you just want to get right back at it. So, um, you know, we don't have that long of a layoff, uh, layoff here. Things happen pretty quick. But, uh, you know, I guess the answer to your question is you'd right to, like to get right back at it and, and uh, see if you, you, you can uh, get that bad taste out of your mouth, right? You don't want it to uh, linger on too long. So uh, another reason why this Friday's game is uh, important. So we uh, get feeling good about ourselves and, and have a good game and um, you know, come out of there with a win. And uh, one last question I wanted to ask you, Maddie, was, uh, you know, you mentioned Buffalo being a desperate team this past weekend, really needing that win. Uh, New England comes in pretty much in a similar spot. Like a loss would uh, would really damage them in, in their, you know, future here. So could you take – it was important to get that game versus Buffalo last year as an experience, learning experience, and now you can kind of dwell on that, playing a desperate team uh, now this Friday? Yeah, um, you know, we've have had a couple of those situations. Uh, you mentioned the Rochester game when we rolled in there, um, similar, uh, where they, um, you know, there were a few losses behind us, and that was for a tiebreaker. So, um, you know, every team is, uh, every week it's, uh, um, you know, a tough game, and, and I'm sure uh, New England's uh, um, wanting to get back on uh back on the winning side of things so uh you look at uh you know look at we did this what we did this week and and try to be better and uh make sure the boys realize the importance of the game and and make sure we're ready to go right from the from the get-go something that i don't uh don't think we were in buffalo all right maddie well uh i think uh we'll kind of wrap things up with that but i did want to mention we did talk about this last week on the show that uh the hawks nest the nachos Pre oh. pre game nachos two and zero this year no nachos zero and two. I guess it's nachos then, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. All right, it yeah. might be that easy. Might be that easy. We can throw everything else out the window here if we just get down to nachos. We get get them on the bench. All the boys have nachos oh, wow. and we'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> well, we might see one heck of a game. All right, uh, Maddie, thanks for joining us, and we'll talk again soon. Take care, boys. All right, that was Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer. We'll take a short break here on the show, and we'll be back to wrap things up in a moment. Like the legend of the phoenix Our ends were beginnings What keeps the planet spinning
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock along with Kyle Davis. We're here to bring the show home. We're going to do a little short-term, long-term trade. We're going to take a look ahead to this Friday night's matchup against the New England Black Wolves. We're going to get you all the information around Charity Night and just how you can get involved and everything that's still going on uh, as we prep for the game. And then we haven't talked a ton about this yet, but also... uh, Coming up on Saturday, March the 11th, the Toronto Rock will be retiring the jersey slash number of the former captain, Colin Doyle. It is going to be an awesome night, a game that if there is one that you decide you want to get to this year, that is the one I would think uh, should be the major circle on your calendar is that Saturday, March 11th. And uh, we will more than likely have Colin Doyle as a guest on the pod here next week, uh, teeing things up. And you're going to see Colin all over the place next week doing some media stuff as well that we've got uh, planned. So it's going to be uh, a great week next week. But we've got some business to get to this week. And we have some other business to get to here as it is time to play everyone in the lacrosse world's favorite game, short-term, long-term trade. And this week we have definitely a trade theme since there were a few guys that have been traded recently and some of them are going to be on this list and another guy is a player who has been traded multiple times in his career so short-term long-term trade this week the names on the list are pat saunders stephen keogh and jordan hall all of kind of varying ages pretty close between uh saunders and keogh but jordan hall a little bit older um here we go have at it kd just going down in the, in the order mentioned there we're going to start with pat saunders we, we talked about him a lot earlier in the show there just you know the newest trade around the league there i'm going to keep pat short term uh, for, for the time being we mentioned his goal production that he can he has the ability to go off you know for for a big season a big game uh 44 last year i believe and and i know that firsthand from playing with him in junior as well as we as we mentioned there so I think uh, he'd be a good piece to have for, for a one big game or, or, or season, whatever it is, that he would you know, be very beneficial and could help out big time short term. Long term, I'm going to keep Stephen Keogh, uh, you know, three NLL championships, a Minto championship at Syracuse. Just This guy wins everywhere he goes. Uh, I mentioned earlier as well, he, he brings so many different elements to the table. He, like, you know, gritty in the middle, scores goals, can fight. Uh, just a guy you want on your team all around. Leads me to my last guy, uh, Hall. Unfortunately, going to have to trade him. You know, he's been been traded a lot in this league already. Uh, I believe twice was traded last year, in the last calendar year, I guess you could say. Um, a little older than the other two names mentioned. So uh, all those, you know areas i just talked about that would be my ultimate decision to trade him and has provided good trade value usually in return and has proven that uh, he can go into anyone's lineup apparently and uh, do pretty well as he's had uh, a number of stops around the league here so far uh, through his career but uh, yeah that's a it's a tough list for sure but uh, you handled it well katie great job got through it Thank you. (laughs) All right. That's another edition of short-term, long-term trade. If you do want to ever throw uh, three guys at us, uh, feel free to do so uh, through Twitter, Facebook, however you want to get in touch with us. So uh, that wraps up another edition of short-term, long-term trade. So big game coming up this week. Uh, Before we get into our, uh, our picks, our predictions, 
Let's talk a little bit about what is going on. And, uh, of course, the biggest thing is we're raising money for the Smile Zone Foundation and uh, some new Smile Zones at the Safe Haven uh, Community uh, Project for, sorry, the Project for Community Living downtown Toronto. Um, it's uh, it's a great spot, and uh, we've actually had a few of our players have already headed down there, and uh, you'll see a little bit more video on that uh, coming up at the game as well as on torontorock.com. So raising money for a great cause, and there are several different ways to do it. In fact, right now in the office behind us, uh, players have been coming up, and they are signing balls as a part of the uh, mystery ball um, raffle, I guess you could call it, for $20.00. You can buy a wrapped uh, mystery autograph ball, and depending on the ink color and the player, you may not only uh, walk away with a uh, great autographed piece of memorabilia, but you could win an additional prize. There's all kinds of different things to be won, uh, signed jerseys, some other merchandise, uh, so great stuff. So that's $20. There are only 200 balls available, so last year we only did 100, and they sold out uh, well before the game started. So we've doubled that this year. So hopefully uh, a lot of people will have a chance to uh, walk away with one of those and support a great cause. So there's different levels you can get involved in. Obviously, we will be accepting donations uh, in the team shop as well. So when you're in there picking up your merchandise at checkout, you can also make a donation on the way out. Uh, and then the big thing at the end of the night is the live on-floor game-worn jersey auction. And you can pre-register for that, which we highly recommend doing so that you guarantee yourself a spot on the floor afterwards because numbers are limited to get down there. You can do that at torontorock.com auction. Again, that's torontorock.com auction. You can pre-register for a bidding number and guarantee that you're going to have a spot on the floor and a chance to bid on one of those beautiful limited edition Star Wars jerseys. And we should also note that is the only way you can get one. They will not be for sale as replicas um, or anything like that in the team shop on that night. The only way to get one is to get one of the game-worn or game-issued jerseys um, on Friday night in the live auction. So again, torontorock.com slash auction. And also we should thank our good friends at uh, MLSE because they are donating $1 for every ticket sold. They are also donating that. And uh, the 50-50 draw, the benefits, uh, the proceeds from that will also be going towards Smile Zone Foundation. So a huge night of fundraising. Many, many different ways to get involved at different, uh, different levels. So whatever uh, fits your budget and however you can get involved, every little bit uh, is very much appreciated. And we hope for a big turnout at the game and a big turnout at the uh, post-game auction. You'll have the opportunity to actually win the jersey if you're the highest bidder right off the back of your favorite player. So you'll get to uh, grab the jersey, grab an autograph, a photo, whatever. It's uh, it's a great great event and something that uh, I would highly recommend being a part of. It's a pretty unique thing too as well. So um, on the ticket side, Kyle, yeah, what's going on there? Yeah, for sure. Still, uh, still a lot of great tickets available as Hammer just teed up there. There's so much going on this week. Uh, I've seen the jerseys in here personally. It's they're they're awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm debating even digging into my couch and finding some money here and maybe get into this auction. But uh, great cause with the, the you got that kind night. of money in no. your couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe just get off I my might, wallet. Uh, yeah, okay. just get off the wallet would be the better. Coming way to over go, to Kyle's buddy. house <laughs> yeah. when he's up grabbing a snack, I'm going to be fishing through his couch there. <laughs> 
but uh, great, great cause. Obviously, uh, I mean, if you're in, into Star Wars, I, from what I heard, there's going to be maybe a Darth Vader cruising around at Chewbacca, perhaps. Yeah. Um, some cool stuff like that. Obviously, if you're in lacrosse, going to be a great game. Division, division rivals here. A lot on the line in the East. Toronto looking to rebound with a big win. Uh, still lots of great tickets available at torontorock.com or call the uh, the office at 416-596-3075 and we'll be more than happy to get you set up. And we should also mention that uh, fans can come to the game dressed as their favorite Star Wars character, which will up your chances of being involved in an in-game promo on Friday night. But we do have to mention that you cannot bring any uh, costume props, i.e. lightsabers or... Millennium Falcon, if you have one of those, which most people probably won't know what that is. But anyways, so no props, but uh, you can dress up. That's totally fine and uh, encouraged for this game as well. So it's going to be a fun night. First time we've ever done a Star Wars night. We know a lot of other teams have done it, had great success with it. So it's one of those things that uh, are very popular, and uh, we figured, why not? This is a great idea. It's going to be something our fans haven't had the chance to experience. And we know the the Marlies have done it, I think, the Brampton Beast. So some other pro sports teams in the area have done it and uh, been very successful as well. So it's something we are looking forward to here Friday night. So let's shift gears back to the action on the floor. Huge divisional matchup, as you mentioned. Uh, Pat Saunders gone from the New England lineup via trade. Sean Evans now on the injured reserve. Uh, That's two pretty significant pieces out of their lineup. Uh, Evan Kirk has not been the Evan Kirk of last season. Um, A lot of reasons to think that The Rock would be uh, fairly heavily favored in this game, uh, especially it being a home game. But, Kyle, is that the case? What is your pick going to be Friday night? I don't want to sound too biased here or whatever, but I'm going to be straight up honest. I think Toronto's going to smash them this weekend. I think Toronto coming off a loss in Buffalo, uh, it's going to be hungry, eager. You know, you can tell the talk with Maddie, they're going to get a, a good practice in tonight and they're going to be ready to go back home. And for the reason you just mentioned, Pat Saunders gone, Sean Evans not available. That's a lot of goals, a lot of offense from the right and left side, respectively, that will not be present. Evan Kirk being a little suspect in comparison to his, his year last year, uh, I just think it's a. Everything's looking good for Toronto, and they're going to you know, come out with a big win. My prediction is going to be 15-8 to eight, Toronto. Wow. Well, I was going to go with 15-9 Toronto just because I went with 15-9 last week, and I figured at some point it's got to hit. But I'm going to change my prediction a little bit. Since you're going 15-8, I'm going to go... See, I like that. I, I really like I'm I'm sticking 15-9. I'm sorry. I'm not changing. I'm going 15-9. I know that means we almost predicted the exact same thing, but we didn't talk about this before, before so uh, these were honest uh, opinions here, folks. Don't, uh, don't write or email about it. 15-9 is uh, what I'm going to predict as well, and, and for a lot of the same reasons. Just I don't think uh, – I just don't think New England has the horses right now on offense without those two guys in the lineup. And, you know, we could very easily be proven wrong because we saw, you know, Brad Self, Blaze Riordan step up 
last week for the Buffalo Bandits and score goals for them. Unlikely sources, and we should probably all look in the mirror a little bit uh, ourselves with the Toronto Rock because we've had guys that have gone in the lineup here in Toronto and been very similar, unlikely sources. Guys like Phil Caputo, Reed Reinhold that have just stepped in and scored goals when they've been called upon. So um, maybe a little bit of a dangerous game at the same time, taking them uh, you don't ever want to say anybody's taking anybody lightly, but there is certainly a lot of reason for confidence going into this one and yes, Kyle, you have something else to add. One last thing that I I see this Toronto large win happening. We mentioned the jersey auction. I think every player is going to have a little more jam in their step knowing that, you know, that extra goal, that extra shift, that extra loose ball could pump up their jersey price. And, you know, they'll be walking around with uh, their chest out a little bit. Yeah. Hey, I've talked about it. uh, Well, we've talked about it uh, a little bit here with some of the guys that have been cruising through the office between segments. Uh, You know, Brad Creed, Jordan Magnuson, we chatted with them a little bit. Uh, You know, also uh, I chatted with Challen Rogers earlier this afternoon that uh, you know guys typically if they have scored a couple goals or perhaps gotten in a little fight you know that tends to bump up the jersey value on jersey (laughs) auction night so I said a a couple of them are kind of a little bit worried you know that maybe you know they might not have a lot of bids on their jerseys or you know there's a little bragging rights too between guys like you know you want to say that your jersey went for a little more so some of these guys might be trying to pump up their value so if there's a full out donny brook here friday night yeah. you know that smile zone will be happy smile zone will be happy yeah <laughs> <laughs> the league might not be happy but smile zone will be happy but uh no all kidding aside it's a it's a great cause and we're looking forward to a fantastic night uh, the rock typically raises uh Fifty plus thousand dollars a year uh, for the chosen charity, and with the fifty-fifty draw benefiting Smiles Home Foundation pretty well throughout the season as well. It's uh, also a big, uh, a big piece of the pie when it comes to the fundraising uh, uh, element here this season. So, uh, if you haven't got your tickets yet, make sure you grab them for this Friday night. The Toronto Rock, the New England Black Wolves, seven thirty is the start time on Friday night at Air Canada Centre, so a little extra time to get down to the rink and get settled in. And we should also mention we have launched our St. Paddy's Day package. Uh, That just went on sale today for the March 17th game, obviously. And uh, that's on sale now. What is it? Uh, $45 gets you a... You get a St. Patrick's Day Toronto Rock-themed T-shirt. You get a lower bowl ticket as well as a pint at the uh, at the game pint. at the game and i was educated today that the shirt is a heather green oh you don't say <laughs> but uh, also i don't know who heather is but apparently she had a green name there is there. also packs available for the uh for for children or people who don't drink al- alcoholic beverages as well It'll just include the t-shirt and the ticket so the heather green t-shirt the heather yes. green t-shirt yes still available for those uh you which know. is different than the green t-shirt that apparently will be available in the team shop yes so it's a uh, different special green one. i don't know who that green was named after Heather. Trisha, maybe. Trisha Green. Green. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And for anybody who doesn't know, Trisha is the name of our merchandise manager. So that's why that was a funny joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That will, in a very timely fashion, wrap up the show here uh, this week. If you stuck around all the way to the end, you got some real gems here at the end of the show here this week. So uh, that's about it. For Kyle Davis, in the meantime and in between time, I am Mike Hancock saying that is it. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is in the bag. We will chat next week.